0: WHMP This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, one oh one five WHMP.
1: Hail to the Chief, here in studio.
2: I'm really kind of embarrassed
1: by this overestimation. Former President of City Council (laughs) in Northampton, Bill Dwight is with us. Always my favorite time is sitting and talking to
2: Bill Dwight. Hello, Bill. Afternoon, Buzz. Hail to you, man. And right back, (laughs) hail to you as well. (laughs) Right back at you.
1: The hell with you, Bill. (laughs) So the first thing I wanted to ask you about, because you're always in the know about such things, is what's up with Rachel Maddow? Well,
2: Rachel Maddow, as folks may or may not know, actually has her at least her broadcast roots here in in, uh, Northampton in the Pioneer Valley. She never broadcast from these studios. She was with the. Station. Oh, really? I've told people she has. No, she only broadcasts from. I mean, she has been in here and recorded, but not her show. Her show with the Big Breakfast was originally under Bruger's Bagels. There was a studio there for RNX, and uh, not RNX, uh, RSI. RSI, of course. And and um, and that's where Rachel used to broadcast out of. And my first encounter with her, of course, was. I was working at Pleasant Street Video, another old institution, and she, and I was a city councilor. She came in and told me she had a radio show, which I hadn't heard. I had no idea who she was. She said, "Do you want to come on and talk about local government?" That was the first time I went blah 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 on a radio. So, but Rachel uh, was recently featured in a Vanity Fair piece uh, with complete with Andy Liebovitz photographs. Stay in touch with
1: her at all? I you...
2: bump into her on occasion because I
1: know really. Monty Monty and Rachel are buddies.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I like to, I think like to think that I'm in that category too. Asissa Monty's much more in contact with her than I am, and I, you know, I, I'm just an old guy digging holes up in Holly. So, <laughs> and, and she, but, she, the article was uh, uh, the first interview after sh- her renegotiated contract because Rachel Maddow is walking back her time on air, and she well deserved because I mean. Honestly, I don't know how she did what she did, even when she was doing the big breakfast.
1: I hope she, she had a big staff to do her research for her because I know just for this show, it really takes a lot of time to research the news of the day.
2: she she did and does have a big staff, so to speak. and uh, uh, but the fact is is that she uh, she has this uh, uh, kind of manic attention span where she can literally focus on something. And block out all of the things. I mean, I watched her when she was on Air America as well, and just before the program, she's going through all the wire uh, stories and calling out the ones she wanted to talk about. And I mean, it, you know, the and plus being enormously informed and and articulate and articulate and 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 fair, actually. Um, so she. Uh, but it's got to be exhausting, and she's had a really, really tough year. And this article goes on to explain that uh, said health issues. Her partners had health issues as well with COVID. They had a pretty bad scares. Uh,
1: I know she was broadcasting from Cummington
2: for yeah, quite a while. Yeah, from the yeah from from the, the Cummington. I know. <laughs> from, you know, <laughs> broadcasting from Cummington. They they set up a little studio for her, and that's where she would broadcast from yeah. instead of going into New York. Yeah. What she would do, she would, and that's the thing is, when she was on Air American and when she was on um, uh, MSNBC, she would commute. Um, during the week, she'd stay in New York, and then every weekend, come home. And, you know, that, I'm honestly, not
1: impressed. I come from Ashfield to Northampton.
2: Yeah, that's impressive, though. Yeah. That really, is That's impressive. really impressive. And, and I don't think you get enough credit, and I'm looking forward to the Vanity Fair article that. I think it's more it, about buzz. If
1: just, HMP did the right thing, they would send a helicopter. Cause I got that Route 9 traffic.
2: Yeah, right? it's horrible. I know <laughs> you.
1: <laughs> I think Rachel is incredible, and and I think what uh, what she does with the story is incredible. Sometimes, you know, I'm critical of everybody. We all are, but um, I think that she's she's a remarkably talented, social commentator, political commentator. Um, she's just smarter than most of us.
2: Yeah, well, which is pretty much what we look out for. I mean, the, she has, I think, gotten some grief about the fact that um, when confronted with a question about Tucker Carlson, basically a softball, you know, could give an opportunity to flame him, and she didn't. And Rachel got her start on TV because of Tucker Carlson. He brought her on because he could have a leftist lesbian on that he could beat up on and found out he couldn't and also found out their ratings went up every time Rachel went on. And that just sort of set the table for her to do TV. And she didn't badmouth him. Um, and she didn't badmouth Roger Ailes either. And she, the fact is, is that she's... Or Sean Hannity, for that matter. She basically said, you know, there are some things that she admires, not their opinions, but the way they sell themselves. And, and she not, took note of the fact that, yeah, we're a form of entertainment. However, a form of entertainment that... Some would argue. I would argue is has has significant outcomes or reinforcement outcomes that are not healthy or good. But
1: it's so interesting, Bill Dwight. I was just talking to somebody over the weekend. Um, I have this theory, and I propose maybe I will air this theory. But I'll first talk about the context. The context was, Buzz, you're doing exactly what the uh, the Alex Joneses do, which is you hypothesize about something which you're not sure of. You present a possible explanation, and uh, it bec- it gets its own momentum and then becomes, in somebody's mind, a fact, and you right. lay it out as if it's a fact. What I was saying, and I'm going to preface this by saying, this is not a fact. This is because I have a perverse imagination, this is where that comes, it came from. And it was this, what was Trump, wh- what's the motivation in hiding all this classified stuff? And then I thought back about Helsinki and his relationship with Putin and the golden shower allegations right. and that he wanted to build this this Trump Tower in in Moscow and he was trying to get permission to do so. And then I suddenly thought, hmm, I wonder if Putin was emboldened to invade the Ukraine based on information he had from Trump uh, saying that. This was what the United States' response would not be, right. and therefore he was emboldened. Now, I just made that up, folks. I haven't heard anybody say that. I have no information. I just theorized it, which is kind of maybe how Rachel regarded other cable news social commentators.
2: Well, in some respect, yes. I mean, you know, they're opinion makers, as you will. And, uh, um, and I've always said that, you know, we, we, own, we should own this, we, the public, the listening, consuming public. It's for instance a magician a magician will tell you I'm going to do a magic trick So right up front they're saying I'm going to fool you but the fact is we're still odd We're still eager to watch and listen and see this happen and then try to deconstruct it to say wow you did fool me How'd you do that? That's amazing The fact is is that that these guys are not much different in that respect. They're saying we are going to basically Gin up It's an illusion you're it's, about well, to it's, see. Yeah, exactly. We're going to get you excited. We're going to stimulate you. We're going to provoke you. And and for some people, they can consume it that way. For the most of us, no, it's not true. We it reinforces our suspicions or reinforces what we project on other people already. And it's uh and it's you know, it's how radio survived. It's how it's how CNN survived. It's how the New York Times survived. Donald Trump was God's gift to the world in that respect, <clears throat> but it did not advance um, an informed citizenry, which or civilization, for or that, civilization I mean. that, yeah, that may remain to be seen. <laughs> but the fact is. And I'm not, I don't want to fall into the trap of making false equivalencies. Rachel is not Sean Hannity on no, and, side. and and she, she
1: actually explains things with rationality and and not. we'll
2: own it when she's wrong. I mean, right. this is the other thing, and she makes a point of saying, I was mistaken and own her mistakes and say that, as opposed to what Roger Ailes always taught was never apologize, never back down, lie bigger. Just you know, I think what he offered an analogy was you take a bag of marbles, you throw it on the ground. People can only pick up one or two marbles at a time. You can't pick them all up, and all the rest will roll by.
1: Or they'll trip on them.
2: Well, <laughs> they'll trip on them, <laughs> and we can make money off them. That's the idea. So that was not Rachel's ethos, and there is no equivalency there. The fact is she actually is a superior um, entertainer, if you will. And will acknowledge. And a thought
1: what she's provoker, doing. and she does explain a lot of things uh, because she she gives you information which you you won't get from the front pages all well, the time.
2: What she does is she also makes, she presents context and then explains the connections within the context, which is not usual. It's usually I once I mean, saw a
1: Stephen Colbert interview of Rachel Maddow, and they both agreed they both do the same
2: thing exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, remember one of the on the left, one of the more popular news broadcasters, if you will, was John Stewart. Forever, fabulous, and he is a comedian, right? Yeah. Um, which gave him a certain amount of latitude, made it more digestible for a lot of people, and the idea was it also provoked you. It was provocative. We literally were like rats in a in a maze, and we'll. We're going to hit that button that's going to stimulate us every time. And that's what the internet is, right? It's just, you know, doom scrolling, just going to find one thing that's going to make you crazy and keep going and building on that and find more crazy things. And that actually releases endorphins and, you you know... And at, the, and at 3 o'clock in the morning, you go, what in the hell have I just done? Dan, <laughs>
3: are you like a rat in a maze? <laughs> Apparently, I am. It's all one big experiment I'm Did, finding out here. Do you
2: doom scroll, Dan?
3: Every second of every day <laughs> and, of and, my and, life. And, and do, keeps you ever me alive.
2: Back, do you ever no. step back and say, what is this doing for me? Why? I, you yeah. know, because it is stimulating. I will say that. It is. It is.
3: I, I have a different. Uh, Which I did. I, 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 Here's the bigger problem that I see is we live in an information age where everybody gets to say anything without verifying facts or truth, and sometimes the facts or truth only come out later. You know, I know a lot of well, I know a lot of right wingers. I know some right wingers who are upset with the mainstream media because they feel, and I'm not these aren't wacko right wingers who feel like. Everything in the Steele dossier was a lie. The media per- perpetrated that as this absolute truth and all of it was uh, pretty much you know, made up. And then it was used by the FBI to undermine Donald Trump's presidency. So really it's the deep state, it's the government yeah. out there to undermine Trump. And that's this narrative that's being constructed. Yeah, you know, then I do my own research on this and I'm looking at different journalists to see like, okay, which parts were made up, which parts were true, and the truth is some parts of it were made up and were fabricated. Well, again, it was raw intelligence; it wasn't meant to be as a final source. But again, when you have so much information to get to this deeper truth, is so hard to do because.
2: People have so many interests. There's well, the, so many things popping out a, at there's you. A, there's a different meme. Some of you, Oh, look a cat. Oh, that's what someone had for lunch. Oh, look right. a funny meme about Donald Trump. And, the, and then it, you it, laugh, and then all it, of a sudden
3: you hate him, and it's because you saw this meme once. And, it, and, and it, you, to me, you, it's, you
2: run through a panoply of emotions in the, in the span of, so, of minutes.
3: So the only point I wanted to make was, in my brain, I think about this era as some post-truth, post-modern idea, and it's sad because truth and reality are still out there. I think it's just hidden, and I think it's more complex than either the right or the left see it. So well, I'll leave it I, at that. No,
2: I, I quite agree. I, You know, I I grew up as a leftist in the 60s and 70s, and we felt prey to the same things. I mean, just think about, I mean, for us, the equivalent was Paul McCartney is dead type of thing, right? This phenomenon of... Of of everyone convinced and finding clues everywhere in albums, and it was.
1: But some of us said, "Who cares?"
2: It, see, there was there were those who said, "Who cares?" But there were those who you know felt there was this massive conspiracy, or the conspiracy to kill John and F. the Kennedy, ones who screamed
1: or, when Paul when Paul picked up his guitar,
2: right? Right. right.
1: <laughs> Listen, and I'm going to I'm going to break up this conversation only because I'm going to take a break. Um, I just want to say a few things to just set up my conversation with Dan and with Bill Dwight after the break. And I, I'm basically looking at Heather Cox Richardson. If you're not familiar with her work, please check her out. She's an extraordinary um, historian and, and political commentator and every and you can for free receive her gems every morning. Yesterday, she said, on air tomorrow, I will wish everybody a belated happy anniversary to us all. She points out that back in 1935, the foresight and the courage of a Congress that was in turmoil to approve Social Security, what a difference it's made in our lives. Um, And I can't help but uh, hearken to what just happened with the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, I'm just going to summarize it. And then after the break, I want to talk about um, uh, what's going to happen in midterm elections this year with Bill and with Dan. But um, right now, we all know that Medicare can now, um, thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act, begin negotiating the cost of prescription drugs um, beginning in 2023. If drug prices exceed inflation, farmers are going to be required under the Act to rebate the difference to consumers that they overcharged consumers in 2024 The 5% coinsurance for catastrophic drug coverage will be eliminated in 2025. There will be a new cap of $2,000 for everyone on Medicare. They're talking about a $300 billion savings to uh, our government and to Americans. A lot of people on fixed incomes will be able to afford it. Finally, there's serious talk now. Larson's committee It looks like there's going to be a repeal of the government pension offsets and the windfall elimination provision so that people will actually get what they earn from Social Security. And thanks to inflation and the fact that next year's COLA is calculated this time of year in July, it looks like the average recipient will get an increase of about 10.8% or about $175 a month, making a real difference. I'm going to talk with Bill Dwight and with Dan Torres about Hmm, will this make a difference in midterm elections? We're going to be back right after this break. Stay with us.
0: This is The Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP.
4: If your Spanish-speaking employees spoke better English, would that be good for business? If your English-speaking employees spoke a little Spanish, would that be good for business? The International Language Institute delivers workplace language training, improving communication among coworkers and with customers. You get financial assistance with the Massachusetts Workplace Training Express Fund. They cover 50 to 100 percent of the cost. So let's get going. Call or email the International Language Institute in downtown Northampton.
5: State Street Fruit Store. What the heck is a fruit store anyway? Well, State Street opened in Northampton in the 1920s as a fruit store, selling local fruit and other produce from the valley. And even though State Street has grown to be much more deli, wines, spirits, they are still a fruit store. And right now, State Street and their sister store, Cooper's Corner in Florence, are buried in berries, raspberries, blackberries, blueberries schnozberries. Okay, they don't have any schnozberries, but they've got every other kind of local berry going. State Street Fruit Store and Cooper's Corner have always offered produce, picked by our Connecticut River Valley neighbors as soon as and as long as they're available. So come get fruit at a fruit store. Northampton has always been a fruity place. We are what we eat. State Street Fruit Store in Northampton and Cooper's Corner in even fruitier Florence.
0: This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 And we are back with Bill
1: Dwight. I'm telling you, I learned stuff from Bill Dwight. So this is what I wanted to talk about. So if you look at today's Politico and you look at uh, Steve Shepard's predictions, you can see that Steve Shepard says that in the midterm elections. It looks like, and he looks at every race, he says, as do his colleagues who work on it with him, the Senate is leaning Republican. Come November 8th. And the House is likely Republican, not as strongly leaning. And uh, I remember the House has a, only a slim five-seat majority in Democrats' hands now, and the Senate is 50-50. He also says that most uh, Americans will be led by Democratic governors, and he goes race by race. Why? Meanwhile, in The Hill, for those who don't know these publications, they're really worth reading, in The Hill today, It asks, could Democrats' bold legislation bring a repeat of the 1934 midterms? Harkening back to what we were just talking about with Social Security. And I just highlighted a few things in in my memory recently. We were just talking about the Inflation Reduction Act, um, which is an FDR-styled act. And that bill um, caps off a remarkable record for this 117th Congress including the American Rescue Plan, which um, produced a far bigger and faster recovery from COVID than any governmental response to an economic crisis in more than eight decades. Um, It tamed the pandemic. It reduced unemployment. It cut child poverty, according to the administration, by 40%. Um, There was a string of bipartisan achievements, including the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, both traditional infrastructure like roads and bridges, and also things like uh, lead-free drinking water and and uh, cyber broadband to rural areas. Um, there was a major, the first major gun safety legislation that came out of Congress in 30 years. The Domestic Chip Production Act, um, Toxic Burn Pits with John Stewart, who we mentioned a right. moment ago. Was leading us on, and um, and as we said, the, all the Medicare changes. There's been a lot that the Democrats have gotten done, given a 50-50 uh, uh, lead in the right. Senate and the House. So, what do you think about the midterms? How should we be? Should we
2: even be prognosticating about it? Well, I, of course we can, because it's part of the part of the sport anyway. And I had an opportunity to. I bumped into Bill Sher who's who writes for. Um, what is it, the Washington Week, Monthly, and then also for Politico on occasion, and that, in um, common, is a commentator on MSNBC and on these airwaves, as well. And you know, I was talking about this very thing. And the, and the ground is soft and moving. That's the thing. Things are changing. Now, you, one of the other things you didn't point out, which actually is making a huge difference, is the Supreme Court decision to deny women the right. Uh, Thank you, Kansas. That they have no right over or agency over their own bodies. Um, that and you saw a recent election in Kansas, which shocked everybody, including the Republicans. Now the Republicans are in a tough bind. They do they throw you know throw caution in the wind and hold on to Donald Trump for dear life and see what happens, or do they try to um, you know? split hairs and, and do old school Republican stuff, which gets them tagged as rhinos and the Republicans attack them. So that makes them vulnerable. And you'll just see in these these in a in a purple or magenta state of Arizona, you see the this sweep by the Republicans of bonafide fide troglodytes, people who were who were gun gods and glory types, who have been who, who swept and who hold that the election was a conspiracy by the deep state. So are they going to win? Are yeah, they going to actually- a
1: majority lo- leader. He could only get 34% of, of the Republican it, vote in a primary.
2: And, and, and Randy Bowers, who testified, who seemed like, you know, an old school, uh, patrician honest Republican, guy. honest guy, they, they crushed him yeah. in the primary. So what's going to happen is that- they, you have this sharply identified dichotomy that the Arizona uh, voters are going to have to choose between. And Arizona voters are trending more and more blue as people start to relocate there and the demographics are changing there. And this is – so we'll see. I mean as I said uh, when we went into the break, the whole thing about Social Security was – you know, in many people's minds, a godsend and became a sacrament. The fact is, is that the Republicans saw it as the thin edge of the wedge of socialism and, you know, the class warfare that they keep crying about when, when, you, when you're critical of the wealthy. And that has literally been their mantra and their long game for generations now. And uh, starting to see finally bear fruit from the Heritage Foundation gets their uh, Supreme Court stack that they wanted, and they they you've got they did and the
1: Federalist Society did, and yet seventy eight percent of Americans want Medicare and Social Security. Well, here is now you that's
2: why you start to hear Republicans now invoking we're a republic, not a democracy, and now we're actually down to. People fighting over the notion of whether we're Democrats or demo, a democratic country, and we, we votes count for the uh, the majority rules, or are we a republic of of uh, states that uh, know better and provide oversight for the for the public see, at large?
3: See, this is where both are telling parts of the truth.
2: That's I that's mean, I mean that's you, the, the, the market- only accurate way to describe
3: history is that. Part of this country is both democratic and a republic. Maybe it's a democratic republic because. That's what Tom
1: Hartman says. That's what yeah.
3: Tom Hartman It's said, an amalgam. It's, it's amalgam. It's like you must have representation of the will of the people, which is supposed to be the House of Representatives. But the people who created the Constitution and, and all of that said you needed to make sure you had restraints and controls on that.
2: Well, and and there you have it, and that's also our economy. is the same thing. We're a mixed economy. We're not a capitalist country. We're a mixed. We have socialism with the military, the fire department, the road systems, the that's police, socialism, mm-hmm. and police. That's all socialism. But the fact is, we claim we're a, we're divine by God. We're a, a, a republic that, um, of white people making decisions, and that's literally what these fights are coming down to, and we'll see how it shakes out. I'm more optimistic than I was before. Um, the fact is, gas prices are plummeting, the inflation's also dropping, the The stock market's booming. You know, that's usually good things to run on, but, you know, past this prologue, what happens is, you know, you the president loses their part, or loses their majorities, in the midterms. But we'll you mean see. I
1: should stop saying right on, free Bobby Seale?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, give it a try. It yes. is, yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> right on, free <laughs> Bobby Seale.
2: <laughs> Bill Dwight, you're the best. Well, thank you, Buzz. you kind always... of offering me an opportunity to, to wheeze hey, here.
1: My mic is your mic. <laughs> Bill Dwight, thank you for joining us. We're going to be back with Carl Meyer. We're going to be talking about Um, The dying Connecticut River, according to Carl and a lot of other um, environmentalists and environmentalists who are journalists. Um, First light is killing our beloved Connecticut River. We're going to be back with Carl right after these messages. Stay with us.
0: This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP.
4: For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. A man faces multiple firearms and drug charges after being pulled over in Hadley early Friday morning. Officers stopped the vehicle and were given a false name by a passenger. After identifying the man as Van Shriver, he was found to have an active warrant. Officers searching the vehicle found a loaded handgun, crack, cocaine, and carfentanil. Greenfield City Councilor Jasper Lipinski is under fire following his comments last week about a fellow counselor's clothing choice in an abortion rights photography project. The recorder reports that more than a dozen protesters are calling for Lipinski's ouster. Lipinski accused fellow counselor Marianne Bullock, who appeared in a pro-row photography project wearing a swimsuit bottom and shirt saying abort the court, of indecent exposure. Protesters were out on Main and Federal Streets Saturday morning holding pro-choice signs and chanting, Hey ho, Jasper L. has got to go. The Whateley Water Department issued an emergency water ban on Sunday after a water pump failed, leaving the storage tank at critically low levels. Outdoor water use is under a total ban, and inside water usage should be limited. The ban will last at least 72 hours or until further notice. The state fire marshal's office is investigating after a fire at the Tavern on the Hill in East Hampton just before midnight on Friday. Heavy flames shot out of both the interior and exterior of the building, and mutual aid was called in. No injuries were reported.
0: Partly sunny this afternoon with a high in the low 80s. Scattered clouds tonight. Evening temperatures will be in the 70s and 60s, an overnight low of 52 to 58. Sun cloud mix tomorrow, a high in the low 80s, and a mixture of sun and clouds. Chance for a shower on Wednesday. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5
5: W H M P.
6: In the mood for takeout? Want to find yoga classes, music lessons, or art supplies nearby? Save 30% on full-value gift certificates to dozens of local businesses and services from Springfield to Brattleboro and everywhere in between. Whether it's a quick bite for lunch, something nice for a special occasion, or just an excuse for some good old retail therapy. Save 30% on full-value gift certificates at the Shop 30 store at WHMP.com.
0: This is the afternoon buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP.
1: Thanks for joining us. Um, in today's recorder, um, right on the fold, uh, is an article that, be, that uh, the headline for which is A Rally Blends Environmental Outlook and Music. Dozens filled. Um, I always have trouble with it. I've I've said it a hundred times and I've never said it right. Park to enjoy live music and to heed environmental messaging during Saturday's second annual Honoring the Land Rally, the fresh air and mild temperatures, a reminder of what climate activists are fighting to preserve. And it goes on to talk about one of the speaker, our guests today, always an informative guest, Carl Meyer. Um, talking about uh, the Connecticut River and the damage that's being done by First Light and the fact that First Light has submitted its amended final license application to FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, for a new 50-year license to operate, to which Carl Meyer says it's hard to speak about a river that's barely alive and that's been barely ar- uh, around for half a century now. Carl, what did you mean by that and why did you say that?
7: Buzz, um, I mean that the Connecticut River, they've been, trying, they've been taking blood out of a stone for 50 years. And right now we are in a, a, a climate emergency. Let's face it. We have a Connecticut River that has almost no water. I'm seeing rocks in that river that I have never seen before, right? The Connecticut River uh, is being operated by First Light. At this point, at a license that expired on April 30th, 2018—that's four years ago, that's five fish migration seasons ago—it, since it opened in 1972, right, the Northfield Mountain Pub Storage Station has been the most drop-dead deadly um, power grid parasite that was has ever been installed on the Connecticut River. It virtually sucks the river up into a, a, a four-billion-gallon reservoir, just like an electric toilet. It, it, it runs off the power grid, which, which at this point, look, today, 60%, um, 60% fracked gas, climate-scorching fracked gas, about 23% nuclear. I have to
1: time you out there, and we have to rewind the tape a little yep, bit. Yeah, go, go. Most of us think that the reason why that, uh, that facility is up there is in order to generate power. Is that not true?
7: That is not true. It, it, is a, it is an energy transfer and storage. It's sort of a buy low, sell high scheme. I like to sort of, as an electric toilet, picture it this way. They, there used to be, when Vermont Yankee opened, right, the nuclear power plant about 20 miles from here. No, We were all no, thrilled I was, about that. Thir- I, I, okay, it's more like 35, 40 miles from here. Okay, but it's, it's only about seven miles from Northfield Mountain. It was open as its twin. Because nuclear power plants, we were all taught that there was no end to the energy and they put out gobs of energy that wasn't being used at night. So they hacked out the top of Northfield Mountain, built a mile long tunnel that would suction the river massively seven days a week, 20, you know, 365 days a year. Nobody knew what the heck it was going to do, Buzz. Now... After this 10-year licensing process, which started in 2012 and was supposed to end in 2018, they started it early. It's supposed to be a five-year Federal Energy Regulatory Commission process. They have been – continued to beat the heck out of a river. But here's what we found out that it does um, just on a fairly regular basis. If you suck the river backwards – with its four turbines at 15,000 cubic feet per second, right? Picture this. Picture seven three-bedroom homes filled with the aquatic life of the Connecticut River, sucked backward and uphill for hours on end, that at times and at significant times, including right now when there's almost no water in the river, that literally pulls the river backwards at least three miles. And that was the end of the, the company graphic that they sent us, which was only, only how to do it for five kilometers. That is from Northfield all the way under the French King Bridge down past the Turner's Falls Airport. And we do not know how far, how much farther. And that is everything that is alive that goes up into that plant. Never escapes. It's got to go twice through the turbines. They sell the electricity back to ISO New England, who is a dumpster what is ISO fire. New Let me get to that. Let me, wh- who is a dumpster fire? It's the independent system operator. But they also sell it out of market, right? Out, out of uh, you know, to Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, if they, if to to sort of grab these peak profits. And uh, in in this energy market, ISO New England is in Holyoke. It's this lovely little campus that you see on the right, sort of when you're coming up through Holyoke. I think it's before the malls, and it looks like a little campus like GCC or, or Holyoke Community College. That is the thing that these are the people. Well, Gordon Van Wiley, I'd love to debate you. He's 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 sort of the president up there.
1: Gordon, we're here. Gordon, open let's, mic to you.
7: Let's talk the power grid. Is basically run as a market for the big power companies: Eversource, National Grid, um, First Light. Ha- likes to have their say. They all, you know, they all have their their marketing people. They have their lobbying people. They spend millions, and so we never know what's going on on the power grid. We were never told. This is this is sort of Exxon stuff, you know. The the climate is burning, right? Nobody ever tells us what's on the power grid. Nobody ever says. Hey, it's time to stop consuming electricity. And if you'll permit me, I will drop back 50 years or so. Please. Um, 1974, Seabrook, many of us got arrested. I remember. Many of us got arrested in 77. But in 1974, the only person that ever stepped up as a hero on the Connecticut River, as far as I'm concerned, and it's actually 75, I'm going to hold me on these dates. Sam Lovejoy, Montague Plains, toppled the, toppled the, Top the tower. Western Mass Electric, Northeast Utilities, today's Eversource. Remember the Eversource to see sea clear? He saved the Montague Plains from having two nuclear plants sitting there right now, sucking up the Connecticut River, right? A year or two later, we're all at Seabrook. Some of us got arrested, spent our two weeks in jail. Some of us went back, wouldn't pay our fines. We spent our 10 days on prison farms and stuff like that. But we had another rally. There was a guy named Dr. Barry Commoner. Does his name sound familiar? Sure. He helped found the, uh, the Union of Concerned Scientists, said the smartest thing I ever heard after a night camping on the hard salt pan at, at Seabrook. And this goes for our climate thing right now. You don't want to see these nuclear power plants? You don't want any of them more than built? The answer is simple. Consume less. And that speaks to everything we've done. We've been, we're have been we like trained monkeys, the way we consume, right? And we are in an amazing emergency buzz. I mean, 500,000 gallons of sewage poured into the Connecticut River down in Springfield about two weeks ago. Did you hear anything from the Conservancy, from the Watershed Council? The Green River? You can't even go swimming in the, in the Green River. Is anybody standing? This is all because of heat. Slowed rivers. But the Connecticut River is basically—it's—it's it's been running backwards for 50 years now. And you mentioned
1: the damage to yeah. marine yeah. Uh, life. So what can you tell us? Do we know? Have some idea of how destructive this is to marine life?
7: Let me let me give it a shot. They, there's been a few studies that have been done over over a few decades. They all fail, right? Because nobody—you can't. You can't put something in front, of, in front of this giant suction machine and sort of figure out, okay, here's a living fish which is going up. Um, the best estimates are hundreds of millions of fish in aquatic life from fish eggs to larvae to juvenile shad, which are being eaten alive right now as they come downstream from, from Vermont and New Hampshire and through, through Northfield. right? And the river is, is at a, this little nadir of nothingness. Um, so the estimation is that the only studies, uh, of recent, I think in 2016, 17, U S fish and wildlife service, uh, put out some information for American shad. Um, and this is, this is just sort of ballpark estimates using old data, but they thought, um, two million, a minimum of 2 million juvenile American shad were, were going to be sucked up that they're trying to head back to the ocean, 2 million American shad, uh, Eggs and larvae, 10 million. And that's, that's, a, that's a migratory species. That's a federal trust species, right? So, I mean, it's just not a river, Buzz. It, it, it doesn't meet any of the requirements of, we spoke about this once, 1872. Holyoke Company versus Lyman, based on the Holyoke Dam, 36 miles downstream. Migratory fish, the owners of any, any dam owner or operator on the Connecticut River must pass migratory fish upstream and downstream safely. This machine was not installed until almost exactly a century later. It was illegal from the day it was born. To this very day right now, it wouldn't pass any DEP Water Quality, Clean Water Act, Federal Trust Act, migratory fish passage laws, I think we have to take a break. Is that what you guys are looking at or, or no? We do have to take a break. We but when good, we come we doing back, I want okay. to talk.
1: To, once again, and you have asked our listeners before, I know I have done it, to, uh, to co- make comments to uh, the federal uh, energy regulatory. Energy regulatory. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I, I went dyslexic for a minute there. on the, uh, But yes, and, and to talk about that. And also, why doesn't the Department of... Fisheries and Wildlife comment as well because it's their job to protect just that. We're going to come back with Carl Meyer. We're going to talk more about First Light's destructive tendencies and ISO's refusal to do something about it right after these messages. Stay with us.
4: West I was back in the city This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg,
0: 101.5 WHMT. If I had wings and I could fly, I know where I would go. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it.
6: So this is Massachusetts way of saying we think it's an important program. We think it's important enough to continue for students and their families, and we're going to put the money up front to make sure it continues, so that if the federal government does not renew it, Massachusetts will still have universal school meals.
0: 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP.
4: Serving part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me the education assistance I received made it possible for me to be the first person in my family to go to school and graduate debt-free. That education helped get me to the first day at my dream job, a job that I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job, plus the other benefits possible from the Army National Guard, helped me become a first-time homeowner. Also, part of my role as a National Guard soldier means I know that I can be one of the first to respond and help my community if disaster ever strikes. I'm extremely proud that I get to serve my community and that first step I took by joining the Army National Guard has made all the difference in my life. Talk to your local recruiter or visit nationalguard.com to find out what first are available to you in the Army National Guard.
0: Sponsored by the Massachusetts Army National Guard. Aired by the Massachusetts Broadcasters Association and this station.
8: If the Postal Service gets its wish, consumers will pay a little more for their holiday mail this year. The agency has filed notice with the Postal Regulatory Commission regarding a temporary price adjustment for the 2022 peak holiday season. The increase would apply to mail sent after October 2nd. According to AAA, the average price of gasoline has fallen below $4 a gallon, something that may give motorists a psychological boost. It's the first time the average price has been below $4 since early March when gas prices surged after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Rents are rising faster than home prices in many parts of the country. The cost of renting an apartment in New York City hit a record high in June as the median asking price hit $3,500, according to data collected by New York City real estate site Street Easy. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at consumeraffairs.com.
0: This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP.
1: And we are back with Carl Meyer talking about, we've been smiling during the break, but really there's nothing funny about what we're talking about. We're talking uh, about the near death of the Connecticut River and maybe the near death of human civilization with Carl Meyer, the environmental journalist who has for years been talking about First Light's Dreadful um, operation of Northfield. Hydroelectric plant, is that what they call it? What do they call it?
7: Pumped storage station. It is not hydro, it is a gas plant, and it was formerly a nuclear plant. And the plan is, and this is the most vicious, self serving thinking that I ever heard of, is to keep it running for another 50 years, killing the Connecticut, running it backward based on the idea that we're going to have terrific windmills hundreds of miles away to bring wind here to kill our river and then send the energy back to the coasts of the, all the giant skyscrapers that they're building in Boston and Providence and Philadelphia and Baltimore whatever you know it's it's just it's it's a it's an electric toilet just we're before
1: the break i asked you and dan asked you during the break what are our regulatory agencies here in the state level the commonwealth level doing um, to either input on this license application or uh, to contest uh, these dreadful
7: uh, behaviors? Wonderful question, gentlemen. Um, our state agencies, which would be the, the, the Department of Environmental Protection, Mass DEP, Mass Division of Fisheries and Wildlife, and we're talking uh, there would be Fisheries and Wildlife is Mark uh Martin Suberg is DEP. Um, what they're doing is they're failing the Connecticut River, as is Wendy Weber, uh, who is the uh, Region 5 director based right here in Hadley. She sort of controls U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service for 13 states, I believe. And uh, Mike Pentney, who is uh, NOAA, National Marine Fisheries Under NOAA, he is the director that is also in charge of sort of protecting our fish and our rivers. They have been in this process for Ten years now, as long as I've been, I'm a stakeholder. I actually, I actually um, went took FERC to task and took the river to task and got myself a hearing. I was as an intervener. Of course, they they brushed me aside, but uh, I, I did the intervening. But but First Light is actually public sector pension investments, a massive Canadian venture capital firm uh, of Ottawa, of London, England. Um, they came here in 2016, uh, and two years later, they broke up these, these Northfield Mountain, Turner's Falls, Hydro Facilities. They broke them up into little shell corporations, re-registered them in Delaware as tax shelters, and now they want to run our river for another 50 years. Um, so the pro- this is a process where um, they got confidentiality agreements out of all the people I just, I just named, Okay. Mass DEP, Mass Fisheries, U.S. Fisheries. So why would Service Mass
1: Fisheries, for example, agree to a confidentiality agreement? What What did they get out of it?
7: Well, supposedly they work towards an agreement, but I have seen their final license application. It is miserable, right? It's just that they're unwilling to engage on the public's behalf. We have not had a watchdog on this river, Buzz. Uh, the Watershed Council or, or Conservancy is 70 years old. They don't have any, a single lawyer. They don't have anything that says we go to court, and they just don't. They take money from the same people that they're supposed to be saying, you, you're you our public servants, or they're supposed to be taking uh, Eversource, who, they, who, who sponsors their big river cleanup each year to court. We don't have anybody that's doing that. That's the grimness. And Here's a really ugly, ugly, and, you know, this is – a I hope folks are out there just sort of going to have a cocktail with their dinner. Um, between July 2nd and August 8th uh, this year, the hot days. Remember the hot days? Remember, remember the climate? Climate we'll is never forget burning them. Yeah. up? Yeah. Well, FERC – I mean, ISO New England put out emergency statements on eight of those days, eight out of those 37 days, telling – Telling the, their, their providers, the energy companies that provide ISO New England with the power that runs our grid, which is the gas companies, the nuclear companies, everybody, they said, this is an emergency. We're quietly telling you stop shaving the peak and bidding for a little bit of extra profit out into outside markets, stop selling power outside of these markets. And ISO New England, years ahead, always plans about having like 15% more power than peak needs will ever be, and that's how close we're getting. Did they come on and tell the public, hey, we're blowing it here, it's time to turn off the, the air conditioner, it's time to, you know, it's time to turn off the, the heat pump, the whole thing, cut back? It's a market for the corporations. And if you start telling people that it's a problem to use energy, then the corporations lose power. Gordon Van Whaley, come on, let's debate. Wendy Weber, let's debate. Mark Teaser, Martin, come on, let's have a little talk here on Buzz. Uh,
1: The Afternoon Buzz is open and available for any of you who want to come and talk about this Critical issue.
7: the process, the process actually, it just thrives on secrecy. In first light, PSP has been throwing around money and and just quietly pushing money around. but they've been spending millions, hundreds of millions elsewhere in the New York systems op, uh, market, in the Pennsylvania market, Maryland market. They just bought up two plants in Allegheny River. They bought up uh, in the New York system, New York Bight. They're, they invested with a big consortium, hundreds of millions, to sort of uh, do do wind power off of there. They haven't spent a dime four years after their license expired on this river, right? And at times, the Connecticut River has been running at this minimum, 1,500 CSF cubic feet per second. Northfield pulls the can suck out of the river 15,000 so you got it's it's pulling water out of the river at 10 times the rate that water is coming into the system that is how you kill a river system that is how it's been run for the last 50 years and
1: everything that lives in it i very important carl very slowly how do people get in touch with you
7: all right there's there's two ways um, here's just, just a basic email address. I'm sorry to say that I'm having technical problems on my, on my blog at this point. Um, I, my email address, very simple, K-A-R-L-M-E-Y-E-R, Carl Meyer, 1809, the year that Darwin was born and the last native salmon ever came up the Connecticut River. Carl Meyer 1809 at Verizon.net. And here's an even better thing to do right now. Um, last Saturday, people were, were signing petitions, I think 60 people, to shut down Northfield Mountain immediately. The petition was going to FERC. Get a hold of TrapRock, TrapRockPeaceCenter.com. They have the petitions. Ask them. Tell them you want to sign their petition that's going to go to FERC. So go to TrapRock.org. There's a person to contact there. It might be Anna Georgie, who I believe you know. Uh-huh. And tell them you want to be part of, the, part of the petition that says we need to shut down this beast immediately. The other thing is write to the newspapers, come on the radio, make some noise. This is nothing we want to saddle coming generations with if we don't here, have here. to. We have to break. We have to uh, say goodbye.
1: Carl Myers, thank you so much, not just for being here today, but for everything you do. It's our Connecticut River, folks. Get in touch with Trap Rock. Sign that petition write to carl meyer thank you join us tomorrow for the afternoon buzz have a great evening everybody
0: this is the afternoon buzz with buzz eisenberg 1015
4: whmp
0: the ceasefire will not end the nightmare in gaza that was the headline In a recent analysis by Michelle Mushabek, the founder, publisher, and editor of Northampton-based Interlink Publishing, whose motto is changing the way people think about the world. Michelle Mushabek will be our guest Tuesday at
5: 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts.
0: The only live and local talk in the Valley and for the Valley. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, a Northampton radio group station.
4: It's five o'clock.